Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Story time. Years ago, I moved from a very small town to a remote valley. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by national forest and not many neighbors. It was just what I had always wanted. At that point in my life, I had been a paramedic for about four or five years and, being an outdoorsy, civic-minded sort, I decided to volunteer my services with a local search and rescue organization. For being such a tiny, poorly funded organization, we were surprisingly busy. In the nine years I was with them, we'd have at least one rescue, sometimes several, every weekend spring through fall. The source of the majority of these calls was the roughly 100 miles of poorly maintained fire trails that were very popular with dirt bike and quad riders. When they'd inevitably get lost or wreck and get injured, we'd head out, track them down, provide medical care, and fly them out on a helicopter or put them on a Stokes basket mounted to a janky-ass trailer thing we'd pull with a quad. About two weeks after joining, and with zero training beyond what I had learned as a boy scout and medic, I got my first call. 
A group of dirt bikers from the city had lost a member of their party. For some reason, they had put their least experienced rider at the back of the group of a dozen or so riders and took off into the woods. When they returned to the trailhead four hours later, the inexperienced guy was missing. They set out again and looked for him for four or five hours, then gave up and called 911. The time interval from the initial 911 call until we had a squad assembled at the trailhead was pretty impressive, no more than 20 minutes, but we were already 8 or 9 hours behind the ball. We did a very quick briefing, distributed maps, divided into teams, then set off. They put me on a quad with the most experienced guy, and we headed out. The plan was for each two to three person team to take one of the longer trails that ringed the place, then after searching those we'd systematically work out way into the shorter, maze-like trails that made up the interior. This was to be a hasty search, none of that grid search crap. Just riding around looking for clues. I don't know what I had expected, exactly, maybe a few dirt roads through the woods or something, but these trails were an absolute nightmare. They were extremely rugged, technical trails, where you really had to know what the F you were doing and where you were going or you'd never make it out. GPS rarely worked due to the rugged terrain and tree cover, radios and cell phones were a crapshoot, and the maps didn't account for all the random trails riders would just sort of make. The only marked roads were fire breaks, and mileage-wise those accounted for maybe 10% of the trails. Why this guy hadn't been partnered with someone or put at the front of the group is a mystery. Four hours into this I'm caked with mud, bleeding from being hit with branches, exhausted, and just done. We take a water break and hear broken radio traffic that sounds like the bike has been found, but no rider. It's only a couple of miles from us, so we head that direction. When we get there, the bike is off to the side of the road, along with the quads of the other teams but we can see them a few hundred feet in the woods. We walk over and find them looking down at the missing person, who is very dead. Lips blue, skin dusky, arms spread out like a cross. On first glance, his eyes looked to be wide open and solid white, but when I examined him I could see that his eyes were actually covered with fly eggs. Dude had been dead a while. It didn't make sense though. His bike still had gas in it, he had water and food and he was a healthy guy in his late 20s. Why was he dead? It looked like he had simply laid his bike down, then ran into the woods to die. Mission accomplished, I guess. We wrapped him in blankets, then put him on the stokes and took him to the trailhead where the coroner was waiting. About a week later I ran into the coroner and asked what the cause of death had been. The pathologist determination was cardiac dysthymia secondary to extreme anxiety. The guy literally died of fright, which up to that point I had always assumed was Hollywood BS. I've always wondered what was going through his head. Was he just afraid of the woods, or of being lost? If so, why did he run blindly into the woods instead of continuing to follow the trail? There's a part of me that thinks he may have seen something out there. I've heard a lot of stories about weird crap in these woods, and I've seen a few strange things myself, so it wouldn't surprise me. My name is Ituha. I am a Native American, born and raised in a small village in the heart of the forest of Dakota. As an elder, I was happy that I lead one of the most peaceful tribes in Midwest. But all of that changed one fateful day when my son was taken from me. It was a warm summer evening, and my son and I were out gathering berries when we heard a strange noise. We didn't think much of it at first. But when I heard a branch cracking behind us, we turned and saw it, a monstrous creature with glowing eyes and sharp claws. It grabbed my son, punched me in the face and disappeared into the woods. Before I could even react, I just fell unconscious. I spent whole my life searching for my son's killer, but to no avail. As I grew older, I continued my search, spending every waking moment in the forest, hoping to catch a glimpse of the monster that had taken my son. Decades passed and I began to lose hope. I was an old man now, and my body was tired and worn. But I refused to give up. 
I knew that finding the monster that had taken my son was the only way to bring me peace. One day, as I was walking through the woods, I saw a flicker of movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned to face it and found myself face to face with the creature that had haunted my dreams for decades. It was unreal. It looked same as decades before. At first, I was filled with rage and fury. I had spent my whole life searching for this monster, and now I had finally found it. But as I looked into its eyes, something strange happened. I saw a glimmer of sadness and pain, and I realized that this creature was not the same as the creature I saw in my youth. As I was analyzing him, he just roared and disappeared into woods. I spent the rest of my days living in the forest, trying to find a creature that had once been my enemy. In the end, I realized that my quest for vengeance had been misplaced. The true meaning of life is not to seek revenge, but to find peace and understanding. And in that sense, I had finally found what I had been searching for all along. I've been a park ranger for over a decade, and I've spent countless hours in the woods. But nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered on that fateful day. I was out on a routine patrol when my radio suddenly went dead. I tried to retrace my steps back to camp, but the dense forest made it impossible to find my way back. As the sun began to set, I realized I was lost. Panic set in as I realized I had no food or water, and the temperature was quickly dropping. As I stumbled through the underbrush, I heard something rustling in the bushes ahead. I froze, waiting for whatever was making the noise to reveal itself. After a few tense moments, a massive creature emerged from the foliage. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, towering over me on two legs, with fur as black as midnight and eyes that glowed in the darkness. The creature let out a low growl, and I knew I was in serious danger. I tried to back away, but it was too fast. It lunged at me, its razor-sharp claws slashing through the air. I managed to dodge the first attack, but the creature was relentless. It chased me through the forest, its deafening roar echoing through the trees. I was sure I was going to die. But then, as I stumbled through the underbrush, I saw a glimmer of hope. In the distance, I spotted a faint light. I knew it was a ranger station, and I knew that was my only chance. With all the strength I could muster, I ran towards the light. The creature was hot on my heels, but I could hear it slowing down as I got closer to the station. Finally, I burst through the door, slamming it shut behind me. I was battered and bruised, but I was alive. The creature had disappeared back into the woods, and I was left alone to process what had just happened. In the days that followed, I couldn't stop thinking about the creature that had attacked me. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, and I knew that no one would believe me if I told them what had happened. But I also knew that I had survived, and that I had a duty to warn others about the dangers that lurked in the deep woods. I never forgot the terror I felt that night, but I also never forgot the resilience and strength that helped me survive. My father worked at NASA's Johnson Space Flight Center. As a teenager growing up in the suburbs of Houston, Texas I was also able to make my way into the great outdoors. I was a boy scout and we would take numerous camping trips throughout Texas, the hill country, and the piney woods. My mother's parents owned a ranch in northeast Texas and it was a frequent family destination for holidays and sometimes just for a family vacation. I learned how to fish, hunt, and pitch a tent and basic survival skills at an early age. I would often take treks into the woods by myself without a care in the world. Thinking back on certain events that happened back then I now look back on it with a different viewpoint mostly because what I'm about to tell you is my later experience in the Ozark National Forest at night and it has profoundly changed the way I look at my life. I moved to Northwest Arkansas in 2005. My brother and mother had earlier moved to Rias Mill, Arkansas. I would frequently fish at Lake Lincoln. I would often park my truck a short walking distance from the dam and then walk up and fish from the dam bank. 
During one visit I began to work my way off the dam and into some thick brush and trees to get to the larger boulder protruding over the lake's bank. As I approached the tree line I began to have an eerie feeling. It came over me out of nowhere. Now I've been in the woods alone many times before and have never felt this sensation. I quickly grabbed my rod and reel along with my tackle box and I made it back to my truck. I've not been back to Lake Lincoln since a year later around 2007. I had moved 40 minutes from my mother's place. I had just gone into business for myself, I was single, and lived alone. I would often get bored and would take drives throughout the mountains and sometimes even at night. One late night, I decided I need to get out for a long ride. I was going to head to my mother's place. I started down the freeway and then exited off onto Highway 16. I continued down Highway 16 for about 20 miles and then I turned left onto County Road 33 and then it would just be another 10 miles or so before turning off to get to my mother's home. I went across the Illinois River Bridge and made a sharp curve to the left. It went up a steep hill and then entered the Ozark National Forest. It was dark, only my headlights lighting up my way. At the time there was no cell service. I was smack dab in the middle of nowhere. I reached Weddington Lake. As I began to climb up the next hill I remembered there was a small pull-off lookout to my left and I needed to relieve myself. I pulled my truck over across the oncoming lane and onto the lookout shoulder. I left my motor running along with my headlights. I stepped out leaving my truck door open and I began to relieve myself. To the right of me, there was somewhat of a cliff overseeing a small pond on the opposite side of the lake which was to my left. I found myself fixated on that ridge top. I then had this overwhelming feeling come over me. The hairs on the back of my neck began to stand up and goosebumps were running down my arms. There was a strong feeling that someone or something was watching me. I was standing outside of a lit up truck in the middle of nowhere and I was a sitting duck. I quickly finished, jumped into my truck, threw it into drive, and I squealed my wheels up the hill. Some years later I married and had become a father. My family and I went hiking through the same lake but on the other side. There was a rock-covered enclosure that the parks and recreation had built some years back. While there, those same eerie feelings came back. Something wasn't right. I kept it to myself and we finished our day of fun. A short time later I found myself researching Bigfoot sightings in Arkansas. A significant sighting had been documented in that same area just prior to my roadside event. I also read of a sighting of a red-headed Bigfoot digging in the sand underneath a bridge along the Illinois River. I come to find out that sightings had been documented all over this area dating back many years. I then began to think of my childhood and the things began to add up, like the time my grandmother would tell my brother and me as kids not to venture back into certain parts of the wooded areas. Also, the times grandpa's bird dogs would go into a barking frenzy in the middle of the night and he would step outside, shooting a shotgun into the air. I can't adventure into the woods much anymore, certainly not alone and certainly not at night. I'm a Bigfoot believer. I truly feel that my overwhelming strange feelings were the result of a Bigfoot either watching me or being in the area. I've always had a deep connection to nature that only grew through the years. During my last two years of high school, most of my friends moved out of state so I started spending more and more time with the trees and less time with other people. Even to the point that, after spending a semester in a hot, crowded dorm, I decided college wasn't for me and dropped out. My parents were happy enough to see me but I could still feel their discomfort with my educational decisions. I don't blame them. It just felt wrong is hardly the most well thought out or valid of arguments but it was all I had to offer them at the time. I knew it wasn't enough, so I left. I quickly packed my bags, threw them in my car, and headed north with no particular destination in mind. After several hours on the road, the highway I was on narrowed and turned to dirt while the tree standing silent sentinel along its meandering path got taller and darker. I drove slowly with the windows down, 
both to take in the incredible sights and to avoid careening off this dirt track clinging so desperately to the mountain. Once I rolled down my windows, I turned off my music. It felt out of place in the peaceful environment. My eyelids were getting heavier, the sun having long disappeared beneath the horizon, so I pulled off onto a little patch of dirt on the side of the road. I started getting ready to sleep but when I looked out into the trees I once again felt their call, so I left. Walking from the car, the silence was so potent it sucked the air from my lungs, this silence was ancient and sacred. I felt breaking it with any significant noise would be a great sin against the forces of nature. A gust of wind noiselessly made its way through the trees, stirring the lowest branches and tossing my hair in my face. On the wings of the silent wind, I heard a sound so soft and natural it could perhaps only be heard because of the unnatural absence of background noise. It drew my attention to one particular tree a couple hundred feet from the road. All the trees were dancing to the silent rhythm of the wind, all except one. This one danced offbeat and irregularly to no particular rhythm. It seemed as if each branch had a mind of its own, every bough twisted and writhed like an unfortunate worm on a fisherman's hook, the wood bending impossibly. The noise then seemed to form words in a language so old it had not been uttered for centuries at least, yet I understood. They told me they lived in the silent spaces of the world, where their words could be heard. Once the world was full of silent spaces, spaces where animals and man alike instinctively knew no noise above a whisper was permitted, but humans had lost touch with their instincts, only some being able to feel the unspoken rules that govern all. I fell to my knees in silent reverence for the gods that once were, and will be again. They have a plan, they said, we will return the world to how it once was, when the gods reigned and silence owned large swaths of land. The hum of a motor accompanied by the sound of tires tearing up moist dirt ripped me from my state of pleasant reverence. I inhaled sharply and looked up to notice the first faint glow that changes the sky from black to dark blue before dawn warms the air and brings the sun. I returned to the road to get a glimpse of our invader, but when he saw me he quickly pulled over and got out of his car. Hey man are you alright? He called while approaching. His voice cut through the air, shocking me into stunned silence for a second. Yeah, I'm fine I whispered my voice seeming no less strange in the environment. My car is over there, just keep driving. Dude you're covered in dirt, your knees are clearly bleeding and you're shivering violently. I can't just leave you here, I'll call for help. I knew I couldn't let him call for help lest more people invade our sanctuary, our church. Alright I'll go with you, but can I please show you something first? He was clearly skeptical but given that he seemed to have a good 100 pounds on me, he probably thought I wasn't much of a threat and so he nodded his head and followed where I beckoned. He so clearly wanted to help and seemed like a good guy so I thought I would induct him into my newfound religion and have him help with the mission assigned by them. When we finally reached the tree I grabbed him by the shoulder and pointed, hoping he would grasp all that I did. He shot me a puzzled look so in a whisper as quiet as I could manage I said this is our connection to the gods. Alright I'm getting you help, he cried in a voice far too loud to be tolerated. I knew immediately that this transgression would need to be punished. He quickly turned towards the road and made to return, in his haste stepping on leaves and branches, increasing his sins and sealing his fate. Given his determination to get back, he didn't hear me pick up the branch, or close the gap between us. He gave a soft grunt when the wood connected with the base of his skull and fell silent at last, ceasing his transgressions. I dragged the body of the offender back to the base to the base of the tree, it just felt right, and once his skin touched the bark, the tree reacted. Almost instantly, roots broke the damp soil and coiled around what was once a human being. Pencil-thin roots carved into his body by the hundreds, tunneling in and out and back and again, giving his flesh the appearance of a very wormy apple or wood afflicted by termites. Within minutes, the fresh corpse was desecrated and nearly mummified, bringing a smile to my lips as I felt my connection to the gods increase. The voices started back up with renewed vigor and my mission was made clear to me. The next one needs to be alive.
I live in a very rural part of northern New Jersey, in Sussex County. Behind my property and to the left of my house is all forest. There are a few trails. Next door to me is a protected wilderness area where you can't build on it. Every once in a while I would take my son in his little wagon and would set up on the clearing and have a little picnic. We were playing a few feet up before you go into the woods. So we're playing on the little clearing and he starts to mimic the sounds that he hears, for instance, the neighbor's dog, birds, etc. He mimicked the sounds around us, like the squirrels running by and the chipmunks. All of a sudden I turned around to get him some fruit salad or whatever we were eating that day and out of the corner of my eye I see him just stop. He's saying, mom, mom, but he's staring away, not looking at me. He's looking into the tree and he's pointing, but he's not blinking. I turned around. I asked, what do you see? Do you see a birdie? Then it hit me. There were no sounds. He starts walking into the woods, but the whole time he's looking up. He's still not looking where he's going and pointing up into the tree. The only movement I see besides my son are leaves rustling in the trees. Then I see it and it's like heat rising up off the concrete on a sunny day, but it's in the tree and it's like crouched down. One arm is out to the side and its knees are bent. Immediately I feel this thing's glare burning into me. Then I hear the clicking sound. As soon as his eyes snapped to me my son looked at me and freaking panicked. It literally had the shape of a humanoid. It's so hard to explain because it was human-like, but the way it was crouched reminded me of a praying mantis. My son is then mimicking a clicking sound that this thing was making. I grab my son and we run back to the house. All the food and everything is left in the woods. I told my friend about what we experienced that evening. He went back into the woods and gathered my belongings. He stayed in the woods for about an hour telling me later that he did not see or hear anything unusual. That was six months ago. It is now February 2023. I have read a few Glimmer Man reports from others online. When I go outside during the day, I occasionally hear those same clicking sounds coming from the woods. At night, while in bed, I hear the faint clicking sounds emanating from the deep woods. I believe that this Glimmer Man is stalking us. I asked my neighbors if they heard the strange clicking sounds. They have not. Maybe I am only allowed to hear them. I will keep you updated. I will be 67 years old in March 2023 and have hunted in my early days and fished all my life. I spent countless all-nighters on a sandbar catching catfish before the sun came up, in my 20s 40s in a tree stand with my bow, then migrated to my .44 Magnum hand cannon for whitetails. I was never happy hunting until I reached the deepest darkest dungeons of the forest or timber I was in. When I moved to Michigan from Iowa after my wife passed it was like a treasure trove of outdoor activity. I met and remarried my now wife in 2004. We live on the east side of Lake Michigan toward the tip of the thumb. Lately, I fish very little and stopped hunting because of the intense pressure in my age. Just not fun anymore. But I continued to competitive shoot. After moving to Michigan I started hearing stories about the Michigan dog man. I just blew it off. About five years ago there was a sighting by a man named Joe Barger, a semi-truck driver that was hauling a load in the up. He stated that this creature tried to crawl into his moving truck. He stated that he shot this creature in the head and watched it fall to the ground as the truck sped away. About three to four months ago I read a local story about a dog man sighting just north of us in a small town named Port Hope. We live on a 4.5 acreage with a very high banked creek that flows behind the old farmhouse. We have chickens, goats, pigs, two cows, and barn cats and dogs. I believe it was early October 2022. I was out in the back by the creek when I heard what I thought was a faint growl. I didn't think much of it until I got back inside and I asked which one of our dogs is outside. My youngest replied they are all in the house, and no dogs were out. My wife looked at me and asked, why? What is wrong? She asked if I was okay. 
She said the color simply drained right out of my face. She was concerned because she knows that there is very little that scares me. I told her I was out back and I thought that I heard one of the dogs growling. She said they have been inside before you went outside. I grabbed my .44 and a flashlight and went out back. I didn't hear or see anything. I cautiously went out back again the next night to just look around, and I heard the growl again. But this time it was a lot louder and it sounded like it was right behind me, like just feet away. I quickly turned around pointing my .44 in that direction. I saw nothing, but the lower branches of the pine trees moving. There was no wind. I quickly moved back into the house. My wife looked at me again and simply said, what? My wife is from Michigan. I never met my father-in-law because he died of cancer in the early 80s. I told her what I experienced the last two nights and the color drained from her face. She stated, you can't be serious. I told her, does it look like I'm joking? She walked over and sat in her chair and began telling me a story told to her by her dad about a deer camp many years ago. She said her dad told her of a time at deer camp when they saw a man with a face like a dog. She said that her dad never went hunting after that again. Anyway, when I go outside at night to feed the critters I carry my .44. We live on a flat farmland area of the thumb. The biggest thing that scares me is the creek. You can spit and hit the creek it's that close. The scary part about the creek is it has high banks on both sides. Even a very tall creature could walk down the center of the creek for miles, unseen, in any direction because the sides are so high. You would never even see it. I wasn't sure if I needed to tell anyone this because I didn't actually see anything other than moving branches and heard that horrible growl. But what I experienced wasn't normal, but it was real. Okay. So first off these stories are 100% true. Most were told by family and friends through the years. Along with some of my own encounters in the rural mountains and ridge lines of my county. Of course as with all creepy stories to give you a good scare, take them with a grain of salt. However I must still say that these stories are as real as me sitting here writing this up. I hope you all find these as interesting as I do. I have grown up in eastern Kentucky for several years since the age one my family, both sides, have grown up in the rural Appalachias their whole lives as well but as with modern times moved to the small town nestled here in a valley situated in between rolling hills and deep ridge lines. Where the following stories take place is a rural area nestled deep in the Appalachian Mountains it's got a name and it's considered a county however the area where my dad's family grew up in within this area and where these stories come from, is more like a collection of deep ridges and mountain folks than anything else, just to clear up any confusion that this is in an actual town. During the early days of the settlers these mountains were home to the Cherokee Indians many cemeteries in this area has actually around 30 to 40 graves of Native Americans buried there marked with stones and rocks rather than a more traditional Indian burial routine in the 1800s George Washington's aide-de-camp Carl Grayson was bestowed upon him a 70,000 acre piece of land which now is where my town is located at today. Story 1 in the 1970s or 80s my mom and her aunt along with her small cousins were driving an empty road just outside of town when they created the top of a hill where an abandoned farmhouse stood they stopped their car in its tracks when they saw a massive hovering saucer-shaped craft hovering over the house. Frightened my mother and her aunt booked it out of there at a high rate of speed scared they continued down the mountain back to town quickly however when they looked in the river view mirror they saw the craft coming after them at a high rate of speed tailing the car and keeping up with it they attempted multiple times to evade the craft but to no avail. It chased them for over a mile back to town until finally just at the edge of the county road that leads back into the town it finally disappeared. My mother has told this story at least 100 times to family and friends most of which believe her, as they too have seen strange lights in the sky in and around various areas of the community, though some don't she drew me a picture of the spacecraft a few years ago which I still have. 
It's grey and almost metallic looking by the way she drew it it has red lights on all edges of the bottom of the craft along with a few green lights on the sides of it. If anyone wants to see the sketch I will happily oblige. Story 2. When my mother was a child, old enough to know when something is going on, was at home with her parents and siblings one night a man whom her mother and family already knew and were acquainted with barged into the house. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Scared out of his wits. He lived in a cabin deep within the woods some miles away during his stay there he reported poltergeist activity, orbs, and paranormal activity within the property and house itself. He would go on to tell my grandmother that reportedly he was tormented all night by a demon who threw pots and pans, glasses, and even furniture at him this went on for almost the entire night it would throw them completely out of the cabinets almost hitting him with it it also reportedly started knocking and tapping on the sides of the house and thumping the walls and ceiling. Finally he mustered up the nerves to utter the Lord's Prayer and attempt to rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ this seemed to piss it off even more and causing it to become even more aggressive and now would try to kill him with more heavier objects. He ran from the house and spent around 7 to 8 hours walking through the woods and rural country roads back to my grandmother's house. While on his way to the house he reported that he could hear footsteps trailing him in the woods and next to the road but he couldn't see anything it continued this for several hours until he finally reached their house. Story 3. In the 90s in town sat a white brick house at the top of a small hill a man and his wife lived for several years the man was in his 40s or 50s and the woman somewhere around the same age, I believe. Anyways one day while my mother was working at a local gas station where the woman also coincidentally worked at the man had called her saying that something was wrong with the gas in the house and he was going to go look at it to see if he could fix it, the gas was located in the basement. He went downstairs and laid on his back and crawled up under the thing to see what had happened he lit a match and immediately the house exploded sending rubble everywhere and a massive fire hall and smoke that could be see throughout town the man's wife who saw the explosion from the gas station ran home to discover the house gone and nothing left but its foundations. The man's body, as one might expect in a situation like this, was blown into pieces with body parts even littering some neighboring houses. Since then it has become a local legend that the man's spirit haunts the house that was built on the land where the original one stood. The show Ghost Hunters, or maybe another ghost hunting TV series, actually filmed an episode here because of the experiences by the home's inhabitants everything from pots and pans rattling and stuff being thrown around to actual manifestations inside the residence. When I was around 13 years old, it wasn't a Sasquatch but I'm really hoping someone out there has had this same experience. The fear was absolutely paralyzing. I still think about it almost every day. Our house was a rambler style in a rural setting with a deck out the back that had several steps out to the backyard and then woods. We didn't have any neighbors. Then my bedroom was actually the den that had the sliding glass door going to the deck. Our only cat was with me and stayed asleep the whole time. We had a dog that was the only other witness to this event. Just before the morning light, something started to scream outside the glass door of the deck. I was immediately paralyzed with fear. I can only describe it as a metallic extremely loud wailing siren type scream. It had more than one tone like an extra vibration and was not at all natural and extremely loud. It wailed with intensity and aggression no pausing up and down in tone and so loud it seemed like it went on forever. I was sweating and shaking with a primal to the gut fear. I expected everyone in the house, especially my dad who was an extremely light sleeper, to come running but no one did. Our dog went nuts. He growled and barked. 
He attacked the curtains and rushed the glass constantly. The whole time he did not stir this thing at all. It stayed rigid and still up against the glass. I felt it was aware of me and wanted my attention. I felt it was aggressive but I was not totally sure of its intent just that it wanted my attention. I finally managed to lift my head slightly to look at whatever this thing was and its shape was like an average height but extremely thin house cat. No way was this a cat or any known creature of the woods. I've always said that I was born with a cat in my arms and that I was probably a cat in my past life, so I know cats. I'm now 61 years old. I've heard their calls and screams and this was beyond anything like that. I'm having trouble writing this next sentence. I do not believe this was an earthly creature. I will not be dismissed. I know this thing was not normal. This thing was sitting upright either facing into the glass or away. No features. Solid black silhouette with its ears straight exaggeratingly long and sitting unnaturally on top of its head. It looked fake. My cat is next to me and sound asleep the whole time. Could this thing have masked itself as something similar or something familiar to me? What about the odd metallic vibration? It was ear piercingly loud, like it was coming from everywhere. It wailed up and down without stopping like a high-pitched siren it went on and on for what seemed like forever. I estimate it lasted about 5 minutes. It started when it was dark outside and then the light gradually got brighter. I don't remember falling asleep just that it was later and everyone was getting up for breakfast. I asked if anyone heard anything weird but they heard nothing. Our dog looked haggard and exhausted. I knew this really happened just by the look in his eyes. He seemed as tired, edgy, and troubled as I did. After breakfast, the dog and I checked the deck for proof but found nothing. He sniffed everywhere frantically. I can't remember if he ran in the woods. I don't think he did and I was too afraid. I felt like I'd been through a terrifying experience. It still disturbs me to this day when I think about it. What was it? My parents lived there another 40 years nothing like that ever happened again. Where my dad's family lives is up in a series of ridges and hollers that for the sake of this entry I will call Webb, Kentucky. My dad's entire lineage has lived there since the 1800s. I have looked into our family tree and it is chalked full of history. From an old one-armed Irish man who built the two-story log cabin where my father's family grew up in and where his grandparents, my great-grandparent, lived at. Their entire lives to Native American heritage. Where the following story takes place it is, my uncle's house which is the two-story log cabin built by said Irish man. My uncle died in 2010 of a massive heart attack on his porch at the home. Most of the time it's since sat empty except for my aunt, my grandma's sister, staying there during the spring and summer. The house itself has had a history of paranormal activity from disembodied footsteps coming from the upstairs rooms to voices, and apparitions. My whole life my dad and his sisters and brothers had always sweared that the house was haunted by the spirits of my great-grandparent. The one-armed man who built the property and possibly even my late uncle who died there. But that isn't the only thing that has happened there in the late 90s or early 2000s. Somewhere around that time, my uncle who loved spending time out in the woods day and night coon hunting with his pack of hunting dogs, was out one night on one of his nightly hunts. According to my aunt who heard the story from my uncle who retold it to my grandparents. Later on he was in the woods when something chased him out with great success. He said he could hear bipedal walking tailing him in the woods. His coon hounds who were akin to predators seemed frightened and wouldn't chase after whatever it was. He fled through the woods as he heard whatever it was chasing him from behind. He barely made it home by the skin of his teeth as whatever it was chased him all the way back to the property. He retold the story to my family a few weeks later while visiting. Story 2. My uncle, dad's eldest brother, had moved back to the mountains after some years away in the nearby city. After remarrying the family kept up with him from time to time but he set on his own and doing quite well. 
However unfortunately in mid to late 2016 he was diagnosed with incurable lung cancer and was given only a few short months to a year to live. Seeing as how he didn't want to die in the city he decided to move back to the hills of home he spent a little while trying to find a suitable house or trailer to move his family back into. But after a while he finally found one nestled on a very steep hill with a gravel road, leading up the hill to the house. It sat surrounded by dense dark woods and a backyard that was walled off by a massive rock face with even more woods surrounding it. The house was what I would describe as a log cabin type build with light brown wood covering the outside. And tin or shingled roof. It even had a small hot tub off the side of the small porch but it had not been used in quite some time. However that wasn't the strangest part of the property in the front yard in a medium sized garden that the previous owners had made sat a grave, yes a real grave. It was of a stillborn infant baby a fetus whom had died in the 1970s or 80s years prior and had been buried there ever since. I found that extremely odd and unnerving but the inside didn't fare much better either. Whoever had lived there previously must have left in a hurry as they left all of their belongings behind. Dishes were left in the kitchen tables, a TV, bed frames were tapped together in the bedrooms with only the bed rolls themselves being taken. Little girl's clothes and a mini mouse TV stuffed into the closet of a back bedroom and in the backyard was the strangest sight of all. A massive burn pile made up of furniture. And piece of oat objects and personal effects all scorched and burned black with a giant circle of black surrounding the pile signified by a black outline in the dirt. The whole house had a very eerie and creepy vibe to it like something was wrong there. Very wrong my father as a promise to his dying brother started work on the house immediately arranging for satellite TV to be hooked up in the living room, which is where my uncle and his family were forced to sleep at while work was underway elsewhere in the house, however soon this happy abode turned into a living hell. Sleeping in the living room you would hear foots walking across the wooden floors doors would close and open by themselves and shadows were seen. My uncle started seeing a small boy and older man in overalls and straw hats who after a while there would torment him even up until his dying day. His wife who thought he was going crazy never knew anything odd was happening that was until while at the kitchen sink he saw a boy in overalls running past the kitchen window. Going outside nothing was there his daughter always soon started experiencing the oddness of the property. As she told her mother that she had been playing with a boy in her room. Just a short time ago when going to see what was going on. Nothing was there. My uncle was continually tormented by these spirits even locking my family who went to visit him in the back bedroom out of fear that they would hurt them. Eventually however they were found to finally flee the home having been run out by all of the aggressive activity inside the home. My uncle did eventually pass away in 2017 but the entire time he was there at the home. He was tormented by the restless spirits of the man and boy. After his death the family pastor and another preacher went to the property and blessed it. And attempted to banish the dark entities haunting the home. They threw holy water on the walls and front and back doors and ordered the spirits out in the name of Jesus Christ. After that no one knows for sure if the property ever had any odd activity again. Story 3 my father would stay the nights at my grandmother's when she was still alive, she died in 2018. Most of the time he would stay with her because she was afraid of the night time. As she had some form of sundowners and would see and hear thing at night. So he stayed to calm some of her nerves at night. This particular night her sister was visiting for the week and he decided to go up and hang out with them for a while. And stayed the night well at about midnight or sometime after that. He was awoken by the sound of the garbage being gone through and a loud thump. As whatever it was had knocked the lid off of the trash can causing a loud calm that had awoken my aunt. And my grandmother as they got my dad up to investigate whatever the disturbance. Was out back. Grabbing my grandfather's old shotgun and a flashlight he opened up the back door and walked out back to investigate. Having seen the trash can lid can. Trash bin gone through he walked farther out through the back area to see if anything was out there. And that's when he saw it walking back up the hill and back into the woods. 
was a very large and very tall creature in white with red eyes reflecting the light from the flashlight bouncing off of it. The creature watched him the entire time as it walked back up into the woods as it vanished. My dad walked back inside white, from what he had just seen pale as a ghost. My aunt tried to ask what had happened and that is when he told her and called my mom on the house phone. Relaying the encounter my mother had my stepbrother try to find any odd encounters from the area and had found one. A man had reported being followed in the woods while he was walking down that same stretch of road one day. He never saw anything but it was walking with him every step. It was later discovered that there is a legend there about the devil himself haunting the woods of the mountains there. I briefly participated in missionary work in the Congo in the late 1980s and can say with my hand on my heart that I and six other locals witnessed a Jbafofi scurry across the road or clearing into the bush just five feet away from us, about an hour outside of Gamboma. It looked exactly like a long-legged tarantula but was about the size of a medium-sized dog, pit bull, or something. Of course, everyone I've ever told says yeah sure. Just a big spider, monkey, or sloth but I know what I saw and feel lucky to have seen it. I remember my first thought was not fear but just I wish I had a film camera. The locals were shocked too. I hope they still exist out there. The Jbafafi, also known as the Congolese giant spider, is a type of large arachnid cryptid said to inhabit the forests of the Congo. Eyewitnesses have stated that the giant arachnids dig a shallow tunnel under tree roots and camouflage with a large screen of leaves. Then they create an almost invisible web between their burrow and a nearby tree, stringing the whole area with a network of trip lines. Some oblivious animal, that's likely soon to end up on the creature's menu, will trip the line alerting the spider. The victim will then be chased into the web. This type of predatory behavior is similar to that of several species of trapdoor spiders. Natives claim the Jbafofi eggs are pale yellow-white and shaped like peanuts, and the hatchlings are bright yellow with a purple abdomen. Their coloration becomes darker and brown as they mature. Some of the peoples indigenous to the regions in the Congo where the Jbafofi has been seen assert that the spider was once quite common, but has since become very rare. The very first sighting of the Jbafofi by a Western observer was in the 1890s near Lake Nyasa, during which British missionary Arthur John Symes and his men came upon one of the creatures. His men got themselves tangled in an enormous web and two giant spiders which were two and four feet in length, male and female, came out of their web and attacked them. Symes was bitten but managed to escape after shooting one of them with his pistol. He subsequently developed symptoms including a deathly pallor, severe chills, and swelling around the area where he was bitten and became delirious before dropping into unconsciousness. He ultimately succumbed to these effects and died. I've been wondering where to share this. It's so weird, I don't even know where to begin. So I've been house-sitting for some friends in the rural PNW they live up in the hills on a long, twisting road, and the house itself is at the end of a long gravel driveway. The house also sits up against a big evergreen forest. I should also mention that at one point, the driveway branches off and goes into the woods. I have no idea why. I've explored in there before, and there's nothing. The road is too overgrown for a vehicle to get through anyway. Or so I thought. Recently it dumped snow up here, and I've kind of been trapped, as my gutless sedan doesn't have four-wheel drive, and the driveway is covered in over a foot of snow, and the road hasn't been plowed. Anyway, a couple nights ago, I was sitting up awake reading. I haven't been sleeping well, because I got COVID and the coughing keeps me up at night. At about 11.30pm, I saw headlights outside the window. I could hardly believe it. First, it was late at night, second, there's been so much snow that most cars couldn't even make it up here, and third, my friends are out of state, and no one else would be coming up here, certainly not at night. I peeked out the window and watched as the headlights, instead of turning the bend in the driveway toward the house, 
kept going into the woods. Ah, what? I was curious, but I'm also a coward, so I didn't do anything as ridiculous as follow the car into the forest in the middle of the night. But I couldn't let it go, so in the morning I grabbed my boots and parka and stupidly left the house to investigate. This next part. I genuinely can't explain. There was one set of tire tracks in the snow, heading down the rough road into the woods. I followed them about a half mile into the forest, and they suddenly stopped. There was a large fallen tree blocking the road, and no vehicle in sight. The tire tracks just ended. And no footprints in the snow, either. That's it. I wish I had an explanation, or a better ending than me running like hell out of the woods, but I don't. I'll be glad when my friends get back, because it is creepy as f up here. My dad and myself went to the rural country cemetery located in the bowels of the mountains. This cemetery has been there for at least 80 to 90-ish years. The cemetery sits on a small hill with a very steep road going up and only a very good truck with four-wheel drive or an off-roading vehicle. It is located in between a four-way with only one home, a double-wide trailer located down the hill. It has been empty and for sale for about a year or two and was empty during the time of our visit. It has a fence encircling it and two pine trees sitting in the middle of it. That is where my family is buried at. My grandmother and grandfather are both buried there as well as also my uncle has his ashes buried there at the foot of my grandfather's vault. Three other aunts and uncle are also buried there as well as also my great-grandparents. We got out and went in through the chain-locked gate that you have to pull apart and open from the outside. And we sat there at the grave of my grandparents for about 20 or 30 minutes talking. We sometimes like to walk around the grounds for a little bit before we headed back to town and today was no different. We walked around looking at the graves from the 17 and 1800s as well as Cherokee graves marked by rocks at the very back of the cemetery. However, I find something odd on the ground by the flat grave marker of a grave from the 1800s. It was a large bare foot ATLE's two times larger than my own. I sat there stunned by what I was seeing. Its big toe was extremely large and round in the shape of a quarter, perfectly round. Its arch was very broad and curved, very sharply making the rest of the foot almost look sideways in appearance. Whatever it was, was there the night prior passing through. I inspected the ground surrounding the rest of the cemetery and saw nothing else no other tracks. Nothing. When I got home I told my mother what had happened. She seemed to believe me and my father considering I never had lied about or seen anything like that before and could see the amazement on my face. Sometime later my aunt happened to be visiting and I told her about the track I had found out there. And what she told me was very creepy. She told me that when my other uncle, my father's other brother, was out there visiting the graves years prior he had come home and said that something was in the cemetery. He said he had felt watched and was very creeped out being alone back there. Story 2 when my grandmother died in the fall or early winter of 2018 my aunt and uncle had moved into her trailer until they could secure a new home and move back from Tennessee to be closer to family. Many people who stayed the night there while my grandmother was still alive would swear that my grandfather's spirit, who died of cancer under hospice care in the trailer years prior, was haunting the residents. Strange footsteps in the night, voices, and knocking on the trailer walls would always be reported. My father had even encountered said oddities. The knocking would come from outside and when looking outside or stepping out there with a gun. Nothing was there. Prior to my grandmother's passing my father's only living brother had come to visit her at the trailer one evening. And said that he had seen my grandfather standing by her with his arm around her and said. Son I am going to see your mother very very soon and then vanished and my grandmother did join him. A few months later. That was when my aunt and uncle had moved in. Afterwards nothing strange happened. Yet and eventually they had found a suitable new home to move into and on a cold winter's night. In the dead of night and the power to the trailer being cut, as you would expect given them moving the power bill didn't need to be paid. 
We arrived at the home and began moving them out. Boxes of clothes, TV, couch, and beds, all loaded into the U-Haul parked in the front yard with the engine running and keys in the ignition. Suddenly every light source we had helping us see suddenly went out. The flashlight we had hung on the front porch facing the front door went out. And the U-Haul's engine completely died. We went back out and turned them back on. However a few minutes later. It did it again everything went black. That is when I started being followed around while inside the rooms of the trailer. I felt like someone was following me around and I swear at times I would hear a female voice saying. Hi as well as also a male spirit which was also heard by my father while in the living room. This continued on and finally after everything was loaded into the U-Haul and we regrouped outside, getting ready to leave. We were talking out in the front yard I swear I could hear someone walking across the hardwood floors in the home. We left a few minutes later. A new family moved in a few months later, after doing some rehab on the trailer and as far as we know no other paranormal activity has been reported since. Story 3. My father and myself was driving back to town after visiting my aunt, his sister, and my uncle. It was late evening and raining. Everything was muddy and wet and fog was hovering somewhat over the hills and ridge lines. Well we got to the bend in the round. A little curve about a mile out from their house when suddenly this woman. With short black hair comes. Walking out of the dense thick woods. Beside the wood my father almost hit her head on and swerved to avoid her. She was wearing a rain jacket and black sweat pants and dirty tennis shoes. It looked like she had been in the woods all night and maybe even all week long. She had mud all over her pants. Her jacket and shirt underneath was soaking wet and her hair was a mess. She looked very disheveled and stared at us all the way up the road just. Starring. I even looked back in the river view mirror and she was still up there at the side of the road, looking at us. Not even moving back into the woods or walking away just. Starring. She was never seen again. I often wondered just what the hell she was doing out there, e-wet and alone. Perhaps she was kidnapped. Whatever the case however something was off about her. My brother and his friend were deer hunting in some woods up in the area close to his home. This was multiple years ago so nothing recent. They were going through the woods with their guns when suddenly they spot something up in a tree watching them. This thing jumps from the high vantage point it's at around 10 or 20 feet high and falls all the way down to the ground below without being seriously injured. It was covered in thick mattered hair and it was on two legs. They aimed their guns at it, but the thing screamed at them. Though he considered it more like a roar. And charged them. They ran out of the woods as fast as they could. As this thing chased them for quite some time before finally losing it and getting back home in one piece. My aunt and uncle are the oldest of my mother's family. My uncle had served in the Vietnam War and was even at one point during his stay overseas captured along with his brother. They were held hostage by the Viet Cong in the jungles. He would often tell stories of how they would whip them and beat them mercilessly and throw fesses on them all. After he returned home, they lived up in the rural area where my mother's family had grew up in their whole lives before she had moved to the city and started a private in-home nursing. Hospice center where my aunt had personally cared for deathly ill patients. From dementia to cancer she treated them all with respect and kindness. However around the early 2010s, after she had long since retired and my uncle starting to become ill. As well the organization whom helped get them the house in the first place had foreclosed on them. They were forced to move into a retirement home by the interstate. It was a high-rise apartment building located by the interstate. Mostly only elderly and handicapped were living there. Well around a few months to maybe a year to their stay there. One night they saw an elderly woman who had Alzheimer's walking across a frozen pond near the building. No one even knew she was even gone. They watched in horror as the woman fell through the ice and drowned in the lake. No one discovered her body until the next morning. After that however some say her spirit lingered in the building. 
My aunt and uncle would often talk about how they would hear footsteps. And one night my uncle had gotten up for something to drink in the middle of the night to see the woman standing there in the middle of the living room. Frightened, he flicked on the light and she vanished. This continued for months and weeks as the spirit of the woman haunted their living area. Eventually though they were forced to move again after my uncle had dementia for years prior. But it started to progress even more during this time and just last year he would lose his long battle with the evil disease. This happened in Cairns, Australia. It was New Year's Eve back in 2012 me and a few mates. Some were indigenous. We were at my house in Bayview before heading clubbing. As we were talking and having a yarn, I asked my bro if we should go for a walk up the hill. My bro agreed and the rest joined. As we were walking up Bayview there was a mountain path that you can track up. In the forest mind you, I heard the trees shake as if something was jumping from tree to tree. I asked the boys if they heard it but they laughed. As we got higher up the mountain path. I saw two black figures big tank looking things at the fork of the mountain path. My boy stood frozen and I had cold chills. As we stared at these things, my aboriginal friend said to me let's run now. But my islander friend, being a hero, yelled out and said and I quote Bala I nor fright you. Right as he said that these two beings rushed us. They must have been eight or nine foot beings. We bolted down that hill. But we heard the footsteps get closer. As we got to the bottom of the street light we looked back and those things stood at the end of the mountain path. And we could all see that these beings had large black wings like an eagle and dark orange eyes. After that, we vowed never to go near the mountain. To this day I don't know what the heck those things were. One time back in 2008, my daughters and I were heading back to the Dine Res from Sedona, Arizona. We were almost in Del Muerto, Arizona at about 1 am. I saw this figure run across the road heading west. You could see right through it, it blended in with the background, like Predator the movie. I just thought, you are just tired and seeing things. My oldest was riding shotgun and she says, did you see that dad? I thought she was sleeping like her sister. 